the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And by way of review, in session one, we talked about the introduction to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We talked about who he is and what he does. And then last week, session two, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that he baptizes us, he immerses us in his power so that we can be a a witness and we can release that power in whatever way that he directs us to. And now we wanna just jump in and and really understand that part of being immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit is that he brings about specific results and manifestations. And we call those gifts according to the Bible. And this is a specific dimension of his power. But in order to understand this properly, we're going to have to study it in greater detail. And so what I wanna do is give you sort of that bird's eye view. And I wanna say to you also that as we study this, you just have to be mindful that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are often very controversial. As I said to you last week, this is a topic that not every church is going to agree with. Not every denomination has the same doctrine. Not every, um, not every denomination is even, even if they're Pentecostal and charismatic, they don't all agree. And so I'm going to teach you what I think the scriptures teach, and I'm gonna share with you passages that I think are clear and sort of pull out these principles. But the reality is that we don't just wanna know about it. We also wanna have fruitful ministry. And I wanna encourage you that, that Jesus, through his spirit, has given us power. He's given us uh, ability, not because of who we are, not because of how we're naturally gifted or some type of skill that we have, but through the Holy Spirit, he has breathed into our life and given us things that could only happen because the Spirit of God is with us and wants to flow through us. And so I think that we need to demystify the gifts of the Spirit, if I could say it that way. We need to tear down the confusion and the controversy. And look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church specifically about spiritual gifts. He gives uh, three chapters to this total. And he says this in verse one, when he begins to talk to them just about this specific issue. He says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. And the first thing you have to recognize is the word gifts is not in the original language. All right, the translators put it there because they they felt that it was consistent with the rest of the conversation, but the word's not there. So it could be stated like this. Paul would say, now about the spirituals. That's how one of my mentors would put it. Or now about spiritual manifestations. Now about what the Holy Spirit gives. But we're using the word gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant. And this word ignorant means what you think it does. It's to not know through lack of information or intelligence, but it carries an implication that a person ignores what is available to them. And I want to say that again. Ignorance is not just being unaware of information or not having a certain kind of intelligence. It's that you have something made available to you that you and I are choosing not to lay hold of. And that's what Paul is saying. I don't want you to have the information available to you, but just purposely or intentionally ignore. You just go about practicing gifts in the wrong way. You go about misusing and mishandling things and you don't care. And he, so he's saying to the church, I, want, I don't want you to be like this. I don't want you to be ignorant. 
Now he's talking to a, a church that has been mishandling and misusing these gifts, right? But it doesn't really matter. And one of the things, um, because his truth is still the same, but one of the things you have to recognize when you read Corinthians is sometimes we beat up on the Corinthians and we say, well, they were real fleshly. They were real carnal. Um, they, weren't, um, they didn't handle the gifts well. You know, everybody's heard this before, right? But I want you to remember this, that Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church in response to a letter that they wrote to him. And he says five times, now concerning this thing. So in the letter that the Corinthians wrote to Paul, they brought up five issues. And so every time Paul says back to them, now concerning, he is responding to one of the questions that they originally asked him. Now, why is that important? It's important because I don't think they're as prideful as we make them out to be. In my experience, people don't ask questions if they're not interested in getting an answer. And so the Corinthians might be misusing the gifts of the Spirit, but they still want to understand more than I think we give them credit for. And so no matter where we're at, whether we're a user or we're misusing um, or we're using them properly or we're not using spiritual gifts at all, I think that this applies to us as well. He would say, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to be aware. I want you to be knowledgeable and I want you to take advantage of what is available. And the, and the word of God tells us many, many things about spiritual gifts, which I hope to lay out for us tonight. The first one is I wanna talk about what spiritual gifts are. Are. Now, a spiritual gift is this, by definition, a God-given supernatural ability that is imparted to a follower of Jesus to serve other people. In other words, he doesn't give you the gift of healing to heal yourself. He doesn't give you the gift of prophecy to prophesy over yourself. So every now and again, you could not see for yourself, but you can speak a word of prophecy over another person because the gift is not for yourself. The gift is for others. And that's what the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 4. Look what it says, Paul's writing. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects or manifestations is, is the better word, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for what? For the common good. That would be like saying for other people. And so he wants to put gifts into our heart, into our hands so that we can give them to other people. Being spiritually gifted is not about being a powerful sort of spirit-filled person. Like I'm, a, I'm powerful and amazing. And I want you to know it's not about that. It's actually about serving people with power. All right. It's about being like Jesus where you and I can wash feet, but then we can give a prophetic word just at the same time. It's empowered Love, that's the way that I like to describe the gifts of the Spirit. They're empowered love, and it comes from God. And so Paul calls spiritual gifts manifestations of the Spirit, which is like saying they're expressions or they're like evidence. One of the evidences of the Holy Spirit in our midst is when there's a word from the Lord. And that word doesn't have to be where we stop and we say, friends, I have a word from the Lord. This is direct from our sponsor. Let me go ahead and share it with you. Now that's cute and it sounds cool, but the reality is, is sometimes you're sitting with someone or you're in a conversation and it doesn't matter where it is. You could be eating a donut and connect after service. You could be on the phone driving home from work and a person speaks to you and it's freighted with heaven. See, a word from God can come right across that conversation 
and it can cut right to the heart. Have you ever walked away from a conversation and it just, something was left in your heart? There was like a residual from what the person said. There was a wisdom attached to it. There was a knowledge that they couldn't have. There was a sense of direction. I mean, there was just something radical about it that didn't really seem like it came with the fanfare. Nobody stopped and said, hey, I got a word for you. I mean, that does happen and we practice that and we must. But I'm saying a lot of times when you are connected to Jesus, when you're plugged in, when you're pressed in, when you're asking, and sometimes even when you're not, the Holy Spirit will just flow through our conversations. And I, and I love that. It, that, means, that means that you and I have to be plugged into conversations. We've got to be better listeners. Oh, man. Say convicted. Yeah, amen. We've got to be good listeners. You know what happens? And let me just say this. I've, we've taught this to our children. We've told them that every spiritual environment that you're a part of, you need to engage it until every environment you're a part of becomes spiritual. If you don't steward what is being made available to you, you'll never walk under an open heavens in your life. I don't, did you catch that? If you can't engage the environments that are spiritual just by nature, you'll never make all of the environments in your life spiritual as a way of life. It just won't happen. And this is what we teach our children is to be awake, is to be aware. God might speak to you. He might not speak to you about spiritual gifts tonight. It might be about something totally different. Just because what? We're listening to God. Just because we're here and we're engaged and we're tuned into him. It could have been during prayer. It could be during the worship. It could be during the teaching. It could be after, but this is a spiritual environment. And as we gather together, it's like a holy furnace and God's presence is here in a powerful way. And he will do something for those that are seeking him. And spiritual gifts are like this way for us to transact as the people of God, where we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And we don't want less of this, friends. We want more and more of this so that God can be made manifest in our midst. And, it, and it, we could be said, well, Ben, if God unintentionally works, then why do we have to intentionally engage this and, and share and, and sow and serve in such a way all the time? Because when we partner with him, there's a greater magnitude to our ministry. It's one thing for God to do it by default, but when we intentionally partner with the Lord, I'm telling you, there's a greater magnitude to the ministry of Jesus in our midst. So many uh, times we'll just let the ministry of the spirit go. And I've said this before and I'll say it again, a lot of our churches are built in such a way where all eyes are focused on this. It's very much like lecture oriented. Just look at the way that we're arranged. It's, it's, we, it's we worship, so we, we look up to God. And then for 45 minutes, we look to a person. And that's not wrong because the teaching of the word is important. But a lot of times we don't arrange our services for the power of God. We arrange our services for teaching. Now that can be the power of God but we can't settle with just a good teaching. We've got to press in and ask for the more that God wants to give. And that's the kind of church that we are. We're a church that's going to ask for the more. We're going to read the words of Jesus and then we're going to expect them to happen. That's, that's what we're, we're going to do. So this is what spiritual gifts are. But let me talk to you for a moment about what spiritual gifts are not, because that's just, just as important in this conversation as well. Spiritual gifts are not talents. A talent is a special natural ability that you're born with. 
Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are very musical. The rest of us, we try to play the piano and the only thing you want us to do is stop. Some of you were born singing. My daughter walks around our house singing. Now she's got a beautiful voice. Sometimes it's too much for us. I'm like, Azariah, baby, please, can you just stop for a little bit? You know, I can't think. I'm singing all kinds of songs. I'm waking up singing. I'm waking your mama up. You know, you got to... But she can sing. She's got a wonderful voice as she walks right now. When I walk around the house and I sing, I do, I do, uh, they all want me to stop. <laughs> you know, there's no like hour. We don't like Azariah, we'll let her sing for an hour. They don't let Mr. Ben, I'm not Pastor Ben at home, trust me. They don't let Mr. Ben sing for an hour. They let Mr. Ben sing for 20 seconds. Some of us have talents, right? We have talents. We have natural abilities that we're born with and we're all diverse. We're all different. And uh, we, we shouldn't want what other people have. We just, we just want to discover what talents God's given us and, and use them and give them away. That, that's not a spiritual gift though. That's a wonderful thing. God's certainly a part of that, but that's not considered a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are not skills. Now skills are abilities that come from acquired knowledge and experience. Spiritual gifts are not skills. Skills are things that we learn. Now, I don't love painting, but I'm good at painting. I'm not telling you that because I want to come over to your house and paint. And I don't mean like an artist, you know, I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean that, all right? I mean like I can paint. I can paint really well. Um, I can do trim really well. There's a lot of things that I learned over a long period of time that I can do. And I'm good at that stuff. And, and, and sometimes I don't like the fact that I'm good at that kind of stuff because I'm picky, you know, I'm a perfectionist in that way. But I acquired those skills over a long period of time. Like there was a period of time where I didn't have those skills and then I learned them and I got better and better at them. And so those are skills. Talents you're born with, skills you acquire through knowledge and experience. But spiritual gifts are something that God gives. And can I just tell you, because I'm going to anyways, that I've taken a lot of spiritual gift tests in my life and they always come out like however I answer the question, you know? And I'm not trying to be too down on those tests. Has it, how many of you have taken a spiritual gift test before? All right. How many of you that just we're raising your hand. How many of you feel like it could have been wrong? Almost all of you. <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure if I have the gift of generosity. <laughs> I don't want to give. You know, you're, like, you're just not sure. The number one gift that people have as a result of those tests, you know what it is? The gift of discernment. You know how many people have told me I have the gift of discernment? I'm like, man, trust me, you don't have the gift of discernment. Like, I'm just saying, all right, you're, you're a sharp cookie, but cookies ain't sharp. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 it's like, I don't know what it is about the test, the way it's constructed, but it's never really that great when you're the one having to answer all the questions. Now, if you really want an accurate assessment of your spiritual gift, give the test to somebody that knows you really well and see how it comes out. In fact, in... Um, uh, what, I forget his name, but The Making of a Leader uh, is, called, is the book. And he actually has you do that. It's one of the best things about that book. It's, it's where he has other people take an assessment about you if they know you really well. It's one of the best ways to discover things about yourself because we don't tend to live in an assessment culture. We don't uh, like criticism or even critique, right? How many of you run from it? Don't raise your hand, but you do. You just don't enjoy it. Yeah, nobody really enjoys it. But there's a point at which we, we can... 
acquire the skill of listening to critique and learning from it. That takes a long period of time. I haven't mastered it. Don't ask me. I don't teach the class. But I'm saying that we don't live in a culture of assessment typically, and we're not around a lot of people that will speak honestly enough for us to get the proper critique. So because that usually is the case, or more often, um, people aren't often telling us what we are good or bad at. And so that happens pretty frequently. So we can, <laughs> we can live in our delusions in our mind about what we think we are because nobody else will tell us. Now, um, this is just a reality. So gifts uh, are not talents and they're not skills. Spiritual gifts are imparted by God. You understand? They're imparted by God. They're given to us so that we can minister the life of Jesus to other people. Amen. What spiritual gifts are for? Let me give you a couple principles about what they are. Okay, I'm just giving you a bird's eye view. Number one, spiritual gifts are meant to equip the body of Christ. Look with me in Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists. This is Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. We call that the fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So Jesus distributed a part of his ministry to certain people. Jesus is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor. Jesus is the full representation of all of that. He took some of his ministry and he gave it to certain people for the specific purpose of equipping the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith, which has not happened, and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The word equip means to prepare. It means to furnish. It means to put tools or weapons into people's hands. I mean, spiritually speaking. And so a person that, ha that has the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher, part of the, what we would call the ministry gifts. If you have one of those ministry gifts in whatever measure that you've been given that, it's a measure of Jesus's own ministry. And as you use that gift in the body of Christ, you will equip other people. And let me put it to you like this. A person that is called to be a prophet is not necessarily what you think of when you look in the old covenant. There's only 15 people that wrote scripture. So we tend to think of a prophet as somebody who writes scripture. There are hundreds of prophets mentioned in the Bible and only 15 of them wrote scripture. So that is not a fundamental description of a prophet's ministry. All right, that's just what we've been taught by some of our upbringing. That's not, that's not true. Read my book, Prophesy. I go into it. it, took me an extra year and a half to study this. And trust me, I, 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 it, it hurt, it was painful. But the point that I'm making is that the fundamental ministry of a prophet is not just to prophesy. It's to equip other people for works of service. Well, what does a prophet equip other people to do? There you go. <laughs> the prophesy equips other people to prophesy. So a prophet is not one who just gives a word all the time. That is a part of their ministry. But they have a desire and a heart to do what Jesus did, and that is to disciple. Now, here's another thing. I think sometimes we have a wrong mindset of a pastor. We think, a past, we think of a pastor as a mediator. Well, 1 Timothy is real clear. There is no mediator between God and man except who? Right, except Jesus Christ, which means all of us can go straight to the Father through Jesus. That's the facts. 
And so what we often tend to do is treat the pastor like they're a mediator. The pastor is a mentor, not a mediator. There is no mediator between God and man except Jesus Christ. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. So what are pastors? Pastors are mentors. Pastors are elders. And they're appointed to help lead the church corporately so that we can move into the vision that Jesus has for us. That's what their, their call is to do. But when they equip the saints for the work of ministry, what is the work of ministry that they equip people to do? It's the pastor. And guess what? In some area of your life, you're going to shepherd people. Amen. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a coworker. And so the pastor isn't just supposed to pastor you. The pastor is supposed to equip the people of God so that they can shepherd people in any way that he calls them to in the life that they live. And again, it might be one, it might be some, it might be many, but pastoring is not this. This is not pastoring. This is teaching. This is preaching. This can be leading, but this isn't what we should think of only when we think of a pastor. And that's unfortunate because we do. It's a mindset that needs to be changed. So spiritual gifts, ministry gifts are meant to equip the body of Christ. And the more we have those gifts available and flowing through the church, the more the people of God will be equipped. Everybody say amen, because I, I gotta keep rolling. We got so much time. Number two, the gifts of the spirit are meant to encourage the body of Christ. Romans 1.11 Paul says, for I long to see you that I might impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. Listen to this. That is that I might be encouraged together with you while I'm among you. In other words, I want to impart a spiritual gift to you that it, it might come back to me. It's a boomerang gift, amen? I want you to have a gift so that I might be encouraged. See, he understands how the Holy Spirit works and that we're members of one another, that we're interconnected. We're not codependent. We're interconnected by the spirit of the living God. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter four. He's talking about the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It's incredible. And so as we walk in the unity of the spirit, somebody tonight might be carrying what Jesus has for the person next to us. That's the way we wanna walk into church. What would happen if we all walked into church services feeling like I am carrying something for someone that I'm going to see? I don't know what it is. I don't know when it is. I don't know how it's going to manifest. But if we walked in with a different type of expectation that we're gonna get something from another person and I've got nothing to give. If we all knew I've got something that God's put inside of me, I just gotta find the person that I gotta give it to. Man, I think church would turn upside down. Don't you think that? I think everybody in, in this entire room would get encouraged. Now, I know that my teaching encourages everybody in this room. I, I'm sure of it. But just in case it doesn't, I bet you that a person to your right, left, front, back might be carrying the thing that you really need. How many of you know, like when you come into a church service, you can be checked out sometimes, right? You could be going, don't laugh, don't laugh. That's the wrong time to laugh, Roseanne. And now you're on tape. You can be checked out like you're going through something. Okay, you might be, some of us have wandering thoughts. It might not be like a heaviness. It could just be like, you're thinking about, you forgot to go to Lowe's today to get that thing. <laughs> A couple of you, that's stop thinking, that's stop. Jack Hayford used to say he had a little journal for wandering thoughts. He would just write whatever the wandering thought was and then just move on. I thought that was really encouraging. What a practical deal, right? I mean, it's like, you even have to write that. 
<laughs> he wrote it in one of his books. He called it Wandering Thoughts. You just write the thing out, get it out of your mind, and then move on with the, whatever God has you doing. I, I remembered it. <laughs> he wrote it. I read it. I remembered it. Powerful. But sometimes you're not checked in, you're checked out. And in that particular uh, instance, you may not be listening to the message. And what if somebody saw you and they walked up to you and they just had like a sense? They didn't say, I have a word of God, word from God for you, but they just said, hey, I was just sensing this or I was thinking about you today. And, or they looked at you. How many of you have just looked at somebody? Have you ever looked at somebody and you just can tell God's doing something in their life? Have you ever done that? Yeah. At the airport, it says, if you see something, say something, where they're always talking about suspicious stuff. What if spiritual people were like, if you see something God is doing, say something to them. You don't even have to understand it. You just, I look at people sometimes and I can tell, it's not because they're smiling. They might not be smiling at all, but I can tell God's at work in their life. And if you tell that person, you say, hey, I was looking at you just a minute ago. And as I walked by, you had this sense that God's really at work in your life. I just wanted to say it to encourage you. And they just light up like a Christmas tree. How many of you love to hear, man, God is doing something in my life right now. And, and I'm glad you said that because it just bears witness with me. And you didn't even have to tell me what it was. I know what it is. He knows what it is, but you identified it. It's powerful. It's just powerful. Spiritual gifts encourage the body of Christ, whether that gift is serving or leading or prophecy or healing or miracles or whatever it is, it encourages the body of Christ. We want more encouragement. I think we suffer from a deficiency of encouragement. Would you agree with that? I think our culture suffers from a deficiency of encouragement. We've got discouragement a lot, suspicion. What if we could turn it around through gifts of the Holy Spirit? Number three, to exalt the person of Christ. Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, has received, that's past tense, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So use what God gave you. That's really simple. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one serving by the strength which God supplies. So that, use the gift that you have so that in all things, God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now, if you've ever thought of like things that people have said, well, you know, you don't wanna focus on the gifts of the spirit because it glorifies people. You don't, I mean, we hear that type of stuff. There, there, there can be environments or churches and, I, and I'm not trying to bash churches, but I've been to some where they put down what God gives because they're afraid that people are gonna abuse it or misuse it. And I would tell you that if you and I have been through the abuse of the gifts of the spirit, then we are the perfect people to do it in a right way. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, seriously, like how come those that are doing things wrong carry the power to dismantle that which God has given for us to do right? They don't deserve that power. And if we've seen something done wrong, then we're the people that carry a level of maturity to do it better because we're not gonna do the bad example that we saw. The enemy is the only one that wins in holding us back from all that God has. And so what this does is it exalts the person of Christ. That's why Peter says, in all things as the gifts of the spirit are used, that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. Because when the gifts manifest, when the gifts are seen and they're used and stewarded properly, the way God intends, as we learn and grow in that, it gives him glory in such a way because we can tell 
You didn't do that. Sometimes people will say to me, they'll say, um, hey, good job. And I'll go, hey, that wasn't me. That was Jesus. And then they'll say to me, well, it wasn't that good. You know, that's, that's bad. No, nobody does that. Really, you're wondering, nobody does that. I stopped saying that a long time ago. People would say to me, hey, good job. I, I stopped doing, well, it's all Jesus. Because it's not all Jesus. <laughs> some of it's him. And some of it's, you know, you, did you know you got to obey Jesus too? Some of it's, I don't take the credit for it, but I'm just saying a person occasionally is just trying to encourage me. They're just trying to say, hey, I thought what you did was good. I thought what you had to say was great. But you have to obey too. So we participate, we co-labor, but we recognize that it's the gift giver, that when it is a manifestation of God, our whole life is to glorify God. And so the gifts, when they're stewarded properly, they bring glory to God. They exalt the person of Christ. Number four, to extend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look what Paul said to the Corinthians again. Therefore, if the whole church assembles, assembles, he's talking about the gifts of the spirit. If the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted person or unbelievers walk in, will they not say that you are crazy? So if all of us start speaking in tongues right now, speaking in spiritual language, and somebody who doesn't speak in tongues, hasn't been to our church, or they're not a believer, they're gonna walk in and they're gonna say, you're crazy. Yeah, they are gonna say that. And then Paul says this, but if everyone prophesies and an unbeliever or an ungifted person enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. Isn't this a beautiful picture of how the body of Christ can function? That if we minister just prophetically, that's not even in all the rest of the gifts, but those are important as well. But he's saying, if we prophesy, if we steward it well, people will come in and they don't even have to believe in prophecy. They don't even have to believe in Jesus, but they're going to say, God is in this place because you couldn't know what you just said. And I meet people all the time. I listen to folks all the time. I talk to people all the time. But what you just did was not just what a person does. What you just did came from some other source. See, that's what we're trying to get to is we wanna be people that are receiving what God brings and we're giving it away to such a degree that even people who don't love and believe in Jesus will go, wow, isn't that what you want? Paul paints that picture for the church to want to walk out a life that is not only filled with the spirit, but it's living out with the gifts of the spirit properly. That's the vision that we, we have. Clearly, we need the gifts of the Spirit for the church, for the world. We need them. We don't just want them. Spiritual gifts are tools for the mission of making disciples and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. That's the twofold purpose of gifts of the Spirit, is that when we use the gifts of the Spirit and people don't know Jesus, they see that Jesus is alive because they know people couldn't do this. But when we use the gifts of the Spirit in the church, it builds each other up. Now, the, the other part of this I want to talk to you about is the diversity of spiritual gifts. And I just want to do this very quickly. You can see here we have 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. I'm just going to read through this. Paul says, now there are varieties of gifts. Now, everybody just do this with me. Say varieties. varieties. He says, but the same spirit and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord and there are varieties of effects. Now, I want you to stop there. Notice it should be underlined in your paper that I gave to you. Varieties of gifts. That word gifts is in the original language, all right? That's what he's talking about in Romans chapter 12. 
He says there are varieties of ministries. And that's what he's talking about in Ephesians chapter four. There are varieties of effects. I want you to notice something. These are all different words. He does not mean them to mean the same thing. He's saying there are varieties of gifts, ministries, and effects. That word could be manifestations. The reason that I'm saying this is because Paul spoke to the Romans, he spoke to the Ephesians, and he spoke to the Corinthians in, for, different reason, for different purposes. When he spoke to the Romans, he uses past tense terminology. He says, each one of you has a gift, okay? When he speaks to the Ephesians, he's talking to them about the measure of Christ's gifts. Some of you, Jesus gave some as apostles, some as evangelists, some as pa prophets, pastors, and he gave some. And when he talks to those that are in Corinth, he's saying this, he goes on to say, each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And then he lists nine manifestations of the spirit. Okay, so there's seven in Romans, there's nine here in Corinthians, and there's five in Ephesians. I don't know if you're following me. You're going to have to get my book. But this is, now, agree with me, a proper biblical exegesis. Follow me. This is, I got five minutes here. Follow me real quickly. This is important. When you study the Bible and you read, like let's say you're reading Corinthians chapter 12, you want to know who wrote it, who did they write it to, what was the purpose for which they were writing. Is that right? A proper Biblical exegesis. Sometimes we call that a hermeneutic, okay? You can't jump from the conversation that Paul has to the church at Corinth to the conversation that he has to the church at Ephesus and assume that he's saying the same thing and he means exactly the same stuff that he's talking to the Corinthians about. It's not true, right? That's, would you agree? That's not a good biblical exegesis. Now, all the gifts of the Spirit books, a lot of Pentecostals and Charismatics do this, because I got like 40 books on the gifts of the Spirit in my office, okay? I, I, to prep for my book, I read a lot. And maybe it's 35, I don't know. Anyways, a lot of these books, what they'll do is they'll say, hey, there's 19 gifts of the Spirit. And so they'll take from all these passages and they'll put them all in there and they'll give you a definition and a description of every gift. Now, I just want to tell you, that's called bad Bible study. Everybody say bad. bad. Right, that's bad. Would you agree? Who wrote it? Who did they write it to? And what, what was the purpose of the writing? You cannot disassociate the conversation from the writer and the reader and just put, pluck it out and put it into a conversation and write a book about 19 gifts of the Spirit. You can't do that. You have to have a proper biblical exegesis. Why did Paul write to the Corinthians about nine manifestations? Why did he do that? What did he want them to know? Why did Paul write about seven gifts of the Spirit to the Roman church? Why did he do that? What, what, what was the difference? Why did Paul write to the Ephesians about the five ministries of Jesus? Why did he do that? And what did he mean? Do you think that there's a difference in these conversations? Are you following with me so far? Yeah, there's a reason. And the same principle can be applied. For example, in one church, Paul says to the Corinthians, I do not want you to be unaware of spiritual gifts. And he says to the Corinthians, I want you to speak in, I, want, I speak in tongues more than you all. He's telling them, I want everybody to speak in tongues. You know what he says to the church in Thessalonica? In chapter five, he says, I do not want you to quench the spirit. Do not despise prophesying and speaking with tongues. Well, why would he say that to them? And then to the Corinthians, he's, he's, to the Corinthians, he's got to help them learn how to use the gifts in a right way. 
to the Thessalonians, he's got to help them learn how to want to use the gifts at all. And so when you don't know who's writing and who they're writing to and why they're writing, you're going to take verses out of context and never understand the gifts of the Spirit. And honestly, friends, we're in a mess right now with the gifts of the Spirit. And that's why. It's because we've read books of, of well-known people and they don't know what they're talking about because they didn't apply the principles of Bible study to even their own book. It's terrible. It's what happens all the time. It's why the Pentecostal church gets kicked again and again for having bad Bible study. It's because this is what we do. We do it all the time. So what I'm saying to you is when you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Paul says there are varieties of gifts and the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord, Jesus. There are varieties of effects, manifestations, but the same God works all things in all persons. He means that there are three different conversations here. And that's why he has one with the Romans, one with the Ephesians, and one with Corinthians. Everybody say amen, because I know you're following me. All right. So the first is that he's talking about Ephesians 4. We call those ministry gifts, okay? These are callings of Jesus that are given at his designation. Not everybody has one, okay? Some do, not everybody does. I would say everybody has a leaning towards one. This is why some of us resonate with a person that has a prophetic anointing. This is why some of us resonate with a person who has an evangelistic anointing because it's something inside of us. Did you know that you're in more inclined to, to listen toward the ministers that carry the same gift that you have? Did you know that? You know why one of the reasons that it can be hard to have a senior pastor transition? Do you wanna know? Because sometimes one person carries a certain kind of gift that the next pastor doesn't have. And so we say things like, you're not like the other pastor, don't try to be. Listen, I'm well acquainted with that, I know. Because we carry a different anointing, but it's not our anointing, it's the anointing of Christ. It's just a different measure or it's a different ministry that Jesus designated. But see, the body of Christ doesn't always understand that because we need to, listen, there are some things that I'm going to say as your pastor that are going to rub you the wrong way. And I want to tell you, part of the reason that that is, is because you don't resonate with that gift mix. But I am saying that all of us need to be trained by all of them, even if we don't carry the same gift that the person who's sharing carries. It's like learning to drive a five-speed. You still need it in a pinch. I mean, I like to just get in the car and drive, don't you? Some of you are five-speed people. Okay, I don't get it. I love you. I know how to drive one, but I don't like it. I just like to get in the car and go, amen. But you got to learn how to drive. So here's what I'm trying to say is that Jesus's ministry is apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And it says he gave some as apostles of it. I don't carry the same anointing as my predecessor. I do not. He carried a certain kind of anointing, but I carry something a little bit different. And so do you. And the Bible says that Jesus gives these two people to equip the body of Christ. What if our heart is closed and our ears are closed and we're not getting the equipment that Jesus has for us? Not, not just through me, but anybody. And this is why people will go to certain churches. It's why people will travel across town. It's why people will go to certain seminars. It's why people will listen to certain preachers on the internet. It's because we resonate with a gift mix that we also have. But I would tell you that in one sense, that's fine. But in another sense, like you and I have to be well-rounded so that we can carry whatever ministry of Jesus he has for us. Everybody say, amen. I just don't have the time. I, I'm trying to get into it, Pastor Scott, but I don't got the time, man. Okay. 
Not right now, because we're recording this, all right? That's illegal. Afterwards, you can always do that, all right? Too many people right now. That's, you, you just felt it, though, didn't you? You felt it, Nora. No, I appreciate that. I do. You know I love you. All right, number two, motivational gifts. These are gifts of the Father, Romans chapter 12. These are seven gifts, prophecy, teaching, encouragement, service, giving, leadership, mercy. Everybody has one of these gifts. You know why? Because Paul actually says it in Romans. He says, each one of you has given, has been given a gift, each one. He, he states it very clearly in the, in the book of Romans. But he says, has been given. It's all past tense. Every person in this room, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have one of the seven gifts in Romans chapter 12. You do. And that's why he gives the conversation where we all have to learn how to be the body of Christ because the hand can't say to the eye, I have no need of you, right? So we need each other. This is what he's saying. But check this out. The manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse four through 11, these are not gifts. These are spirituals. The word gifts is not even in the original language. And this is what he's saying right there. He says, there are varieties of effects or manifestations. But look what he says. But each one ministers individually just as the Holy Spirit wills, not as a person is gifted. So here's what I'm going to tell you is that nobody has all or any of the nine gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Nobody. They are not our possessions. They are the expressions of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you and I can learn what they are and minister in, in whatever environment that God gives, it, gives that to us for the situation at hand. I call these situational gifts. You, listen, if you're somewhere and the gift of healing needs to manifest, you don't call up Fred, okay, that we all know has the gift of healing. You just don't do it. You call on Jesus. It's not what you have, it's who you have. Friends, this is important because you might've gone to a church and they focus on deliverance and healing. And so sometimes people go, well, so-and-so's got a gift of healing because every time they pray for people, uh, they, get, they get healed. Well, number one, I bet you they pray for people 15 times more than other people, number one. Number two, I bet you they went to a church that focused on healing. And so they were well-equipped and well-trained in it. And number three, I bet you that it's just something that they're more mindful of as a result of their spiritual upbringing. I I'm telling you, I, I too come from a certain upbringing that wasn't the nature of the gift that God gave me in Romans 12, but I gleaned that and I learned that and I was, an equ I was equipped in it. We all need to know word of knowledge, word, uh, word of wisdom, healing, prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, the gifts of healing, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of faith. Nobody has the gift of faith. You have the gift of faith in a situation that God gives it to you for his purpose. He'll give you, this is what I'm saying. We don't carry that. We have the Holy Spirit and he situationally gives it. Why would you say that? Look what the scripture says. But one in the same spirit works all these nine gifts, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills or however he chooses and whenever he chooses. Five times in Corinthians chapter 11 through chapter 14, the apostle Paul says, when you gather, John Wimber used to talk about this all the time. This isn't a new teaching, by the way, just in case you guys are wondering. The Vineyard Church has taught this. Many charismatic churches teach this. It's just been so lost that a lot of us haven't heard it either for a long time or ever at all. So if it provokes you a little bit, it's not new. There are millions of people all over the world that teach this and believe it. You just don't hear it a lot because I could guarantee you haven't heard about the gifts of the spirit for a while. Is that right? So ministry, motivation, manifestation. Some of us have a ministry gift. Everybody has a motivational gift. 
and everybody can learn the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, we can minister in whatever way the situation demands. Isn't that incredible? That's it. That's, that's awesome. And so I would give you proof to this. I've been teaching people the gift of prophecy for a long time. Bridget has been along that ride for 18 of those years. And I have taught all kinds of people who are not gifted in the prophetic how to hear a word from God and prophesy. How could I do that if we believe that God gives you a gift and that's all you can do? Is it right? How can you do that? Because words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and prophecy. I cannot teach you to hear from God something he's not saying. Sometimes people have a dispute over this. They go, you can't teach people the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, you can. You can't demand God give to you what you want, but you can teach people to learn how to hear from God. You can teach people to learn to pray. You can teach people to learn how to discern. You can teach people what the Bible says about the gifts. You can teach people how to posture themselves in intimacy before the Lord so that they don't miss what he is doing. You can teach people what discernment looks like and what it doesn't look like. And all of that we get from scripture. So yes, we must teach people how to understand and how to walk in the things of the spirit. That's called discipleship. What do you not disciple people in? You disciple people in everything. And we have to. And so this is a very important principle. Now, I thought this teaching was going to take me 45 minutes, and I think I'm pushing it right now. Man, <laughs> how do we receive spiritual gifts? Um, there are passages there. I'm just going to hit these, hit these uh, real quickly. Number one, gifts are sovereignly given. That's just one, one way. Number two, gifts are situationally given. I just talked to you about that. Number three, gifts are imparted. Check out that passage in 1 Timothy. Okay. And number four, gifts are pursued. Look what Paul says, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Friends, that's an invitation. You know, one of the prayers that I pray, two prayers that I pray that I'm going to teach you right now. Number one is I always pray for our church, not just for me, that God would give us a higher level of revelation, prophetic insight, so that people who do not know Jesus or come to our church and they, they get to receive from God, not just from us right? They just, they get touched by the Lord. I always ask for that. The second prayer that I pray is I ask him, I say, Lord, would you put gifts in my hands to give away? What if you walked into this room, you walked on, or you drove onto this property and you literally prayed, Lord, would you put gifts in my hands to give away? And now you believe that God's given you what you've asked, asked for, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, whatever, whatever he wants to activate. And now you're just looking for targets of his love, Amen? And you don't feel deficient. You don't feel like you can't because you're not ministering out of your skill or your own natural talent. You're ministering out of that which the Holy Spirit gives. It's just a better proposition, friends, isn't it? To feel like I don't have to be better than anyone or my best self. I can be spirit-filled. And if I'm spirit-filled, I can do things that the natural version of Ben cannot do. This is what we're talking about. And so gifts are sovereignly given, situationally given, imparted, pursued. And, uh, and, I, also, and I also wanted to close on this uh, last section because it's important. So as I close, Jandy, if you're here, you can come out. Uh, but number one, these are myths, the myths of the gifts, all right? I'm gonna dismantle some things very quickly uh, very effectively. Number one, only spiritual leaders have spiritual gifts. That's a myth. Everybody say myth. That's a myth. That's a lie is what that is. Number two, everyone has all of the gifts. That's not what I just taught. 
That's not what I just taught. Some, some, and we can learn the manifestations. Number three, miraculous gifts were only given to authenticate the apostles. If you're reformed and a cessationist, you believe that. And we are neither. Number four, it's wrong to seek spiritual gifts. That's not true. I mean, that, that, that is just the admission of someone that has given up because usually they don't like some of the things that have happened. Now, can I be honest with you by saying um, over the last couple of years, I was extremely discouraged by all the internet prophets. All right, can I just tell you, like the people that prophesied that Donald Trump was gonna be our president again, I never believed one of them. And I had people get mad at me for that. And I don't even know why. I never believed one of them. These guys were wrong. And you know, a lot of them, when they prophesied that, they still held to it even after they said it and it didn't happen. It was like, well, in March, he's gonna take up, uh, he's gonna be the president. And in September, he's gonna be the president. It's like, can you repent at some point? I mean, we're, listen, as a person who has sought to teach people spiritual gifts, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. And I've tried to tell people, turn the internet off. <laughs> turn these YouTube prophets off. They're making money off the people of God. Look at their views. They get money off all that stuff. It's a business. It's a commodity. This is what's happening. Like, seriously, we need to see through this. The authority is in the local church. Because if I prophesy and I'm wrong, I got to walk down that hall, use the restroom, and you got to walk right, right past me. But when you're on the internet and you're doing some live stream, you can say whatever you want. You don't have to be accountable to anybody. Most of these people don't have a local church. Most of them don't have a pastor. Most of them don't have an environment where they're known. And I mean, that's what heaven's like. It's where you know and you're known. That's why the local church is important. It's because there's accountability. If I go off the rails, there's so many discerning people in this room, you're gonna know even as it's happening. Jeff, are you going to let me get that far? No, I don't think so. Come on, Jeff. Dan, are you going to let me get that far? Come on, Jen. Come on, Jen. You know. Kennedy, are you going to let me? You see, what, you see what I'm saying? Like, how far can you go in a local church where you can do that nonsense? Not unless you make the culture that way, right? And that's, that's the point, is that to have a biblical, spirit-filled church is something you have to fight for. But I was embarrassed. And I think a lot of times that people have just seen all of this stuff that's happened. And I don't know what you do with it, but here's what I do. I call it wrong and I call it sinful. It's wrong. All of it's wrong. But I am not going to let the abuse of some take away what God has given for all. I refuse to allow whatever people are doing on the internet to take away the gift of prophecy from us. The gift of prophecy needs to flow in this church. The gift of word of knowledge, word of wisdom, hospitality, all the leadership, generosity, serving, all those gifts, they need to flow in the church of Jesus Christ. But I think sometimes we let go of those, like don't seek the gifts, only the giver. If you seek the giver, he's going to give you the gifts. Paul says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. He literally told us to ask God for gifts. But because we're so often churches are so afraid that something bad is going to happen, we don't pursue what God gives. No, pursue health, pursue loving people, 
but pursue the gifts at the same time. Did you know we can all do it at the same time? Come on, let's just say same time. Amen. Spiritual gifts aren't necessary now that we have the Bible. I think the Bible shows us that spiritual gifts are necessary. You see the problem. Those who have more dynamic or supernatural gifts are more spiritual than other people. That's a myth. And lastly, spiritual gifts operate in everyone at the same level of intensity and accuracy. That's not true. Each one of us is given a measure of faith. Each one of us is given a measure of whatever God gives. The key though is that we're supposed to be faithful with whatever God gives. If you have one talent or three or five or seven, it doesn't matter how many you have, it matters what you do with what you have. So here's the question that I have tonight as we close when we're talking about spiritual gifts. Number one is, do you know what God has given you? Do you know what God has given you? Romans chapter 12, Ephesians 4. Do you know what God has given you? Number one. Number two, are you using what God gave you? Or are you waiting for somebody to make it useful for you? You don't have to, let, ask, you don't have to ask for permission. Are you, you, you don't have to use it just in a church building. Are you using what God gave you? And if you don't know or you're not, ask the Holy Spirit to help activate what he's put inside of you. If you need help, come talk to one of us as the pastors. We, we'll help. We want to help. I, li I live to do that. I want to help. It doesn't mean I'm going to give somebody their ministry overnight, and maybe that's not what's supposed to happen. But we're supposed to walk in the newness of life according to the power of the Spirit. So do you know what God has given you? Are you using what God has given you? And in this season, how has he called you to pick back up what you have to use it for the glory of Jesus Christ? How is that, how is that supposed to happen? I can't answer that, but you can. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us with that. Thanks for listening today. Pastor Ben's mission is to equip the church to impact the world. If you want to get connected, check the show notes and visit bendixon.org. From there, you can learn about Pastor Ben's other podcasts, the books he has written, Ignite Global Ministries, and the online Immersion Discipleship School. Thank you.